Welcome to the Antler Up Podcast, brought to you by Tethered, the world's best saddle hunting equipment, and we have a fun show for you all today. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Antler Up Podcast. Hunting season is here, everybody. What a week. Really excited to get things going, and no better way to kick things off for us than having this episode with Steve Shirk Jr. Really, really pumped to have him on again for the second year in a row to kick off the season for us all. And if you're like me, when Steve speaks, you got to listen, man. And he is one of the best out there when it comes to providing helpful information and has year after year success in the PA woods. This was a really fun episode to record because we discussed some plans for this upcoming season, Steve's ability to adapt to hunting pressure, the potential outlook for 2023 and the reasoning behind it, timing your hunts and a whole lot more. Really get into some really good stuff with Steve on this one. And uh, we go back into his three C's, his rules for, hunting cautious bucks man just a really really fun episode to record and hopefully fire you up and get ready for this season and be sure to check out mountain buck university on his youtube channel as well as shirk's guide service where you could book a hunt uh probably for not this year but for next year so want to thank steve for again for all that he's done and continuing to do for the hunting community especially everybody out here in pa but also across the nation he does some great things so appreciate you steve Thanks again, everybody, for all of your continued support. If you like what you hear and you enjoy the podcast, share your share it with friends. Make sure you go on iTunes, Spotify, leave that five-star review. Really helps out a lot if you want to continue to get things rolling with the Antler Up podcast. Also, really quick, bi-weekly, so not this week, but next week on Friday, we will drop a bonus episode, calling it the Antler Up Report. Going to have friends on, just random guests even as well, talking about success stories, failures. Man, just as of right now, they're going to be like a 15, 20, 25-minute little you know, straight to the point, maybe hunting topics as well, just fun conversations, kind of that, that camp feel. So hopefully you tune in on those and... If you want to come on to those for a topic or something tell a story hit me up let's get it going thanks again everybody for all the support good luck to you in the woods say stay safe out there best of luck antler up tethered is a team of saddle hunting fanatics with a passionate addiction to whitetail hunting Designing and engineering products to be a more efficient and confident hunter, Tether produces the most mobile, stealthy, and safest elevated hunting gear on the planet. Built by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. Head over to tethernation.com to see for yourself what exactly I'm talking about. America's Best Bowstrings has been manufacturing high-quality custom bowstrings in the USA since 2006. America's Best Bowstring strives on the commitment to never end the search for perfection, and this has been the driving force behind the company. Innovative products for every archer out there. Go create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com. And a special code is made for our listeners of the Antler Up podcast for America's Best Bowstrings. Use code ANTLERUP and you will save $10 off your order. 
Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that saves the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You have deer prediction, journaling, and the best maps on any hunting app platform there is. Use code ANTLERUP to save 20% off your Spartan Forge membership at spartanforge.ai. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm joined by what people would say, the man, the myth, the legend, Steve Sherrick Jr. <laughs> Steve, welcome back to the show, man. It's a great pleasure and honor to have you back on. Uh, just just thanks a lot for having me. It's, uh, I don't know, I think I, maybe we talked after the season. So yep. uh, I think uh, last year, too, I talked right before the season. So it's uh, just an honor on my side, too, just to know that, uh, like to have me on about this time of year and you know kind of to kick off the season so thanks a lot for thinking of me as well oh dude anytime and since we're giving thanks and all that stuff you know i i I did have something written down and and i want to stick to it i want to say thanks not only for from my behalf man but for i hope i i know for especially for some of my really good close friends you know just thanks for all the knowledge and the help man that you have shared with not only myself, uh, but with the public individuals, the public hunters, I'm not saying public land hunters, but just public hunters mm-hmm. out there um, over the years, because man, it it's, you're awesome as an individual <laughs> and you're the, the information and, and the help that you've provided is just so greatly appreciative. Um, and so, man, I just want to say thanks on behalf of that, because, you know, you could keep, you could have kept all this information on to yourself and, and, uh, you know, not let it out there. And I, I think it's really awesome and, and just so great that you've done it. And I just want to say thanks on that, on, on that, man. No, boy, you don't have to thank me. No one has to thank me. Uh, it just, it's just part of who I am. So, uh, I mean, certainly, uh, makes me feel great when I know that people like you that, you know, really take it seriously and benefit from it. But, uh, Hey, like I said, no one's got to thank me, but just glad it can help someone. So appreciate that. Heck yeah, man. So what's new? We have some really exciting times coming up. So other than that, what, what else is new in, in Steve's, uh, in your life, man? Yeah. I mean, from the hunting side, there's a lot going on. Uh, a lot of trail cam, uh, moving around right now. You know, a lot of, a lot of like early or not early season, but preseason prep, um, getting things ready, you know, because literally, I mean, I won't start guiding till the end of October, but it's not something that just in a couple weeks I can get prepared for. So uh, the past past couple weeks, just really starting to think of spots, um, going back in areas, even, even a few hunting spots here and there. I've been doing some trimming and clearing some lanes and, like I said, uh, especially when, you know, guide as many as pe- many people as I do, like you got to have a lot of spots. It's not like uh, everyone's hunting from the same stand every time. So right. just been a lot of, you know, early prep work, but it's just, just kind of like this summer, I don't know, just flew by like faster than normal. It's just, I swear, just that almost doesn't feel right. Like Matt or, you know, my heart is in it still the same, but it's like, geez, it's already here almost. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm sure, uh, I just got a feeling I've talked to some other people and some other people said the same thing. So it's crazy. I know it, it comes to time where June one rolls around and we're like, okay, people are either have cameras out already just a little bit that keep out all year. Then other people are like, I'm ramping up. Here we go. You know what I mean? And that just seemed like, like a snap of your finger. It's over. And here we go. 
Exactly. So uh, that's why, uh, you know, some people, honestly, I would say, uh, you know, this now is the time to, to get a lot of that work done or, you know, check, check, make sure your cameras are running good, get them in the right spots. You, you can't really do some of these things too soon. So uh, definitely uh, I hope that other people kind of have the same mindset as us right now. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. So here's, here's what I want to ask you, Steve. So, and it's still geared towards hunting. So it's, it's not, it's, <laughs> it's not like, Hey, who won the 1949 world series thing? <laughs> so, but I love your passion and, and to start this off, like I said, I thanked you for not only helping myself, but other hunters and putting out that information. You see the passion. You just talked about it, what you do as far as your guiding service goes on public land for, you know, great opportunities here in, in Pennsylvania. What does hunting mean to you, man? Like what, like if, if you have, if you randomly met somebody through your, uh, you know, your own personal business that you do with your lawn care and, and all that stuff. And you got, I don't know, middle-aged individual and you're in your camo gear because you're getting ready to go into the woods and they say, are you a hunter? And you say, yeah. And they say, what does hunting mean to you? What, what, what does it mean to you, man? Yeah. Oh, honestly, I, it's more than any meaning to me. It's really like a part of who I am. I really think it's, uh, something that the good Lord put in me, you know, when I was first born or when he was put me together with his own hands, I, uh, you know, it's not, um, and it's not so much just about the hunt itself, uh, obviously, or even the kill. It's like, there's a connection that my soul that almost needs to survive just from being in the outdoors and the woods and just every aspect of hunting and, and nature. Like, it's just, Honestly, just to boil it down, it may sound simple, but it's it's just a part of who I am. And I honestly don't think I would even want to exist if, if I couldn't be connected to that. Um, it just, life wouldn't be the same. And, you know, I'm not going to say it's the most important thing to me, but it's definitely a huge part of my life. And it, it's not even a choice. Like, I just, if nobody introduced me to hunting, I still think I would have found it on my own. Or, you know, it's just just where I'm meant to be, at least in part of my life. That's awesome. It, it teaches you so much, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. it's like you said, it's not necessarily all the success and everything like that. It's just being out there and being connected in a different way. And uh, it, it's interesting to, yeah. to see how there's very similar responses and feelings and it all means different things, but in the end, it, it's, it, it's what creates and a huge part of who we are and, and, uh, you know, I, I appreciate you sharing that because, you know, it's just for someone that is as passionate as you are that has basically a, a side gig job in it, you know, that you're part of doing that yeah. as far as the guiding goes. You write for North American Whitetail and, you know, you do your own studies and, you know, all that type of stuff. So obviously it means a lot to you, but it doesn't mean it's it, it's a job to you, right? Like that, take all that stuff. You do it. Be, you do all that stuff because of how much you love it. And it, it's, it's seen, <laughs> put it that way. Like, man, like that, that's the one aspect. I think that's why a lot of people have Steve Shirk Jr. On, on the top of their list for individuals that they love to hear from, because you're not just out there for other reasons. And, you know, I, I respect the heck out of you with that. And uh, so, man, that's awesome to hear. No, thank you. And honestly, just to kind of touch on that a little more, like the other day, you know, as I'm like starting to get even more excited about hunting season, the thoughts of like, 
it wasn't like, uh, you know, being in the stand or shooting a big buck. Like there was like certain memories that, that were bringing joy to my heart. Like, Oh, I love it. When I go through this one Valley with all these meadows every fall to check that scrape line or I just, the feel of just watching the sun come up over that Ridge on one of my favorite stands. Like some of those, those like, uh, I mean, it's just like what I want to say, like almost like God given moments that, you know, you, you can't, you can't create yourself or just the, the, the smells, the sounds, the sights, like that's honestly the stuff that really has been coming to my mind a lot lately. I mean, obviously, yeah, I'm hoping I get a nice buck and I hope I have some good action this year, but you know, those weren't the first things coming to my mind. And I really think, like I said before, if you can find joy in hunting with everything that it has to offer versus just the actual hunting and killing itself, I think you're going to be a much more happier hunter and uh, probably going to stick with it for much longer in your lifetime. If you really take every part of it that's available. Yeah. When did you take things a lot more serious, Steve? Because I mean, yeah, you've said it on multiple podcasts that, you know, thanks to Chad and those guys over at Exodus, like they were kind of like that first podcast a couple of years ago mm-hmm. that got the ball rolling, I guess, for you to be out there, you know, how did they find you? And like, when, like, when mm-hmm. do you feel like that? I don't want to call it a break, but like, when do you think people started recognizing you like with, with the information you were putting out there? Yeah, I mean, you, you really did hit the nail on the head with those guys. Um, you know, I wasn't very well known until I started getting, like, you know, people's podcasts. And I mean, I never, I've never asked anyone to be on their podcast either. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, I always had some, you know, mainly local social media followers, but, you know, not a huge following for, you know, or not that I even have a huge following now, but much less than what I have. But uh, it was, uh, you know, I, I bought some of their cameras. You know, it just, I could tell they were, what I liked about the Exodus guys was like, I knew they were hunters. Uh, they weren't that far from me. They're easy to reach out to, you know, you can literally, I can literally call Chad on the phone. Like he's the owner of the business, but yet he would take a call at any time. You know, like, I'm like, you know, these guys, these guys are my kind of people. And uh, I think they saw something in me too, especially when I'm posting pictures of big bucks on Exodus trail cam pictures. And they're probably like, well, that doesn't hurt. Might be able to benefit us a little bit too. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then there was them. They just, uh, I said, Hey, you know, we'd like to, uh, have you on our podcast sometime. And, you know, I wasn't sure, wasn't sure what to think of it. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to refuse it or anything, but just like you said, after that podcast, I mean, I figured that'd be like my one and only thing, only, only time, I didn't, it didn't matter to me that, you know, things have turned into what they have, but I did like one podcast with them. And then I don't know, just, it just, like you said, it was like a domino effect. And I guess I, you know, I don't want to say I'm proud of what happened, but I was just, it's like, wow, I guess things that I've learned and I'm, you know, some of this is actually helpful and interesting to other people. And it really just drew me more to wanting to share and like, I guess if I do have a gift or, you know, something to make someone better, like it gave me more desire to want to share that. Right. And then in return, you know, ultimately you get better at it. I mean, that's, that's the other, you know, that's the other kicker is that you're, you're spending more time in the woods 
gaining that that extra attributes for your your woodsmanship and being a better hunter and all that type of stuff so in that grand scheme of things too it also translate into not only helping others learn and, and develop but you as yourself yeah and even like uh you know i've talked to so many great hunters and like you and many other guys and uh like just talking to so many different people from all over the country about deer hunting like you know i'm i've become a better hunter just through many other people myself so uh certainly it's uh it's helped me in, in a lot of different ways it's helped my business um like i said I, it, it's great to know that you know people aren't just having me on for no reason that you know that yeah. i am able to share some things and you know, do a good deed in some kind of way for someone. So, uh, yeah, like I said, it's nothing I ever planned on happening, but, you know, I think it's pretty cool. And I'm still here. I'm, I, you know, you, you've had me on three times now and I'm not going away yeah. until everyone's tired of listening to me. Yeah. Take the guesswork out of building your own arrows for this upcoming season by ordering a custom set of arrows from Exodus Outdoor Gear. They have developed and sourced literally the most precise archery components on earth to build a tailored arrow for your hunting adventures. Just head over to Exodus's website and plug in your specifications in the arrow builder and have your custom set sent straight to your door. You have two arrows to choose from, one being the MMT arrow, which is a 246 diameter shaft, and the new NIS, which is a 204 diameter shaft arrow. Use code AU to save 15% off your tailored arrow order at exodusoutdoorgear.com. I'll tell you what, man, as long as the Antler Up podcast is going, this episode that I, I call my annual Steve Shirk Jr. PA <laughs> whitetail bow hunting kickoff episode, I always air that, you know, either end of August, beginning, or I'm sorry, end, end of September, uh, beginning of October. And that is the one episode, man, I always look forward to. I circle and, and kind of get all giddy about to share with everybody and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for that. And, you know, kind of go off of that third episode, Steve, you know, the first two, we kicked it off. The first one was, uh, we tabbed it, the going to buck school, you know, with Steve Shirk jr. Was, was episode one. It was basically part two, uh, last year. Now this one, I don't know what I'm going to call it. I, I just, you know, we're going back to school with Steve Shirk. I think we're going to name this one. Um, but you know, the, <laughs> to kick off the PA season, man, what, what potential, uh, do you think the year has and everything else uh, in between for, for this upcoming year for the state of Pennsylvania? Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of potential, although, you know, I don't know if I can speak all across the state, but, you know, up in my area, the deer are really healthy. Uh, we had a mild winter, fairly low kill up my way. Finding, finding some more bigger deer, uh, even bigger antlers this year than usual. You know, the numbers are really good. Uh, for once, in the, and it's been about three years, we finally got a good acorn crop up yeah. here. Um, just, man, I, I will say, like, I can't find one thing going into this season that I'm like, man, you know, this isn't looking good. Like, everything's just looking very positive. Now, the only thing, you know, that can happen, because, you know, I'm a big weather hunter, temperature especially, like, we get a real you know hot warm season you know that's that's going to make things tougher but overall i mean i hope that everyone's seeing the same results but i really think we got a special year you know not only for hopefully uh, my business my family and me but you know i think it's going to be a special year all over the state um i just you know it's just one of those things uh 
not not every year I, you know it's going to be a great year uh, it's usually every year is a fun year but i would just if i was going to sum it up in one word i really think most pa hunters are looking at a potentially very special season ahead. yeah I, I think so too i mean just even going off of like what you just said from things that you've posted online through social media early on i mean steve it seemed like early early you were getting already multiple nice good big bucks on camera like i'm talking yeah. june where i was like dang steve that's already like <laughs> So, yeah, no, that's exactly like these year, you know, they had a mild winter. It was a warm early spring. Uh, just so many things, you know, mother nature kind of putting, you know, putting their favor this year, going, you know, going into this summer and obviously this fall. And like I said, now, now I have a good, looks like we got, you know, a good mass crop. I mean, I'm finding it's not even just clear cuts, but the habitats improving everywhere. Uh, just, I mean, I could just go on and on, but that's like, that's what I was just thinking the other day. Like, I don't know if I've really ever felt like this going into any season. Okay. I'm not going to say like an overconfident feeling, but like, just like, I can't find one negative thing. That's like, Oh man, you know, that's kind of bumming me out or I'm a little concerned. Like everything's just super positive so far. Yeah. I'll tell you the one aspect that's been crazy is like you said about the acorns. Um, I mean, here in central PA, I've been finding them all over. I'll be going back home to, to Northeast PA here. I was supposed to go this past weekend, but, uh, some family stuff, I had to get kind of wrap things up here at the house for a little bit, but works out good because then my dad's off. So we'll get a chance to spend some time together and, and I want him to look at some, uh, a spot that I might put him up in with a, uh, you know, maybe a market with a, a, a marker. So that way he knows to go up in his climber or something like that later in the year. But yeah, I'm excited to see mm-hmm. because back at home, Steve, Northeast PA, the last two years, we had a pretty good acorn uh, mass. And, and man, the year, a couple of years prior to that, it was like non-existent. Like it was tough. And right. the last two years, yeah. I mean, you had to be careful walking down the two, the two track because if, if you weren't paying attention, you could be going on skates, man. <laughs> like that's how, but yeah. you know, it was a little bit tough, but at the same time, I mean, that's probably... I feel like I've enhanced with understanding a little bit more about how the deer are using, especially back at home in Northeast PA. But my thing that I still struggle, struggle with is the finding the, that fee tree, if that makes sense. Like the one, you know, you could have acorn trees falling from all over, but you know, trying to find that sign where it's like, okay, this is fresh crap in here. This is the fee tree. Um, so that's kind of been yeah. my, my struggle bus as of probably last year where I got to get better at this year, which I've been trying to do a little bit more here in central PA scouting, finding those, those, uh, those ones that are already dropping. So that way I, I know come season, don't worry about it here and, and kind of keep building and working around that. But, uh, so that's, that's something that I, I need to get better at. Did, you know, what's your kind of plan of attack when it comes to that? Since you said you have a good, good, uh, uh, drop coming up. Yeah, well, up our way this year, um, what I'm noticing is there's not acorns everywhere, but there's just certain pockets where, you know, yeah. it's loaded with them. And I like, this is exactly what I like. Like, I don't like uh, real mild or moderate crop because they tend to, between all the bears and squirrels and, you know, turkeys, like, they'll get eaten up pretty quick. But I also don't like... Uh, you know, major heavy crop just everywhere, high, low elevations, you name it. So like, 
there's there's stretches of you know oaks for miles that there's not an acorn and then all of a sudden holy cow for a quarter mile square in this area it's just like marbles so like i'm kind of set up so far you know just like the perfect scenario um so that's also going to help break down you know where these deer are going to be where mature bucks going to live um but you know as far as you know finding that right tree um that it is honestly a very hard thing especially a lot of places throughout pennsylvania you know very heavy dominant oak woods like thousands of oak trees everywhere um and that you know it really is very tough to do that that's where you know i honestly think you you know i know you brought up finding the right the oak or feed tree but in that situation, I think you got to use that feed tree as more of a starting point or that feeding area and then find where that deer's bedded because I honestly think that unless it's just literally one oak tree in the middle of nowhere that there's no other oaks around, like, I don't really think there is that one tree all the time yeah. in some of these oak forests. So, But like I said, you can use that area, but most likely that buck's got one general area where he's bedded and that's what i would be focused on is locate him in that feed you can even keep intel on that deer in there it's probably coming at night a lot too you know try to find where that deer is bedded that's that's just how it's worked for me um yep. in the over the years so one of the things that i did last year was i found a pretty good trail coming into a big oak and there are multiple oak mm -hmm. trees around and all that type of stuff. And the sign was okay. It wasn't fantastic. I threw up a camera. Again, this is on, on a private mountain and everything. And there's zero food plots nearby. I mean, they got a, they got a trek oak a mile, which is easy for them. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like it. I'm, I can't hunt it. I'm nowhere near it, basically, the property where I'm at. Yeah. And I threw up a camera. And what I've been trying to do is exactly what you just said. I'm trying to see where the deer movement's coming from and looking at the terrain features scouted out a little bit in this past off season. And I kind of have a pretty good idea. I'm not a hundred percent certain, but it's an aspect of, I think I got a little, I pushed the needle in the right direction, basically in, in that one yeah. and being able to put it together. And, and I'm, I'm really happy you said that because that's exactly what I did. So I was like, come on, Steve, say what I, I hope you want to say. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, uh, it's. Uh, I'm not going to say it's impossible. Sometimes there's there's spots where if the bucks, you know, got a lot of you know a lot of acorns dropping, even right in his bedding area, you know, sometimes they'll just have a little pocket that they're just hanging in and hardly even moving around at all, except maybe to go get water at some point. But you know, overall, you know, like I said, in these heavy dominant oak forests. You know, they might have a special feeding area, but to really narrow it down and sometimes that right tree, I, I think sometimes it changes day to day too. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like I keep saying, it's it's that where he's bedded is probably going to be more consistent to narrow down the more he's feeding. Yeah. So here's a here's where I want to kind of continue on and kick things off a little bit, Steve, is, you know, after listening to you, like I said, uh, you know, you, you did some really great ones here this past, you know, early, late summer, early fall type of ordeal with, with some really great podcasters and all that stuff. And, and, you know, hearing you, especially over the last couple, things are changing for you, man. Like I know weather still, <laughs> I know weather is still, you know, king to you in a sense of, of, of obviously for deer movement, we're talking and when you like to get out there and hunt, 
But, you know, I hear you mm-hmm. talking about a little bit of pressure and staying away from clear cuts and things like that. So, yeah. you know, what can you share a little bit of, of to, like, what and really why you're changing up some of, of your uh, strategies, I guess? Yeah, well, um, you know, I don't want to say hunters are my number one enemy. Like, I mean, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing if everyone wasn't buying a hunting license. But I will say, like, when it comes to patterning deer, I mean, Hunters are your number one problem. Um, doesn't matter what time of year, even public or private land, like if deer are getting pressured, everything changes. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when I see, you know, people doing consistent things and, you know, heavily concentrating certain areas, I mean, it's a no brainer that I either got to get out of there or I got to start doing something different. And, you know, what's amazing too in some of these clear cuts is, um, these are some clear cuts for, you know, five years ago, I'd get a lot of daytime activity, but the cameras are still there. And, and because they're still, you know, good, good stem count, you know, it's still a lot of browse, like it's turned into more like a nighttime food plot where it used to be, some of them would just stay in these clear cuts all the time, even all day. And they get up and, you know, up and lay down in there all day, you know, feed for 30 yards lay in a bed for 20 minutes and just keep doing that pattern all day. But now they're bedding maybe a half mile or mile away. And just because there's so many people and so much pressure, you know, around these clear cuts that, you know, these deer are not feeling secure, even though uh, the cover is there. uh, It doesn't matter. I mean, there's, there's too many people in there. These deer are getting human scent constantly. uh, You know, so, I mean, those are the things I'm noticing. um, And, but I've had to do things like this my whole life. I mean, right. I've literally never hunted uh, private land ever in my life. So there's, I'm all, you always have, have to evolve. It's just, you know, nothing against podcasts or, you know, sharing information because I do it more than anyone. But, you know, when people are always listening for certain things and, you know, clear cuts have just become a huge attraction in the past couple of years. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people aren't willing to put in the boots on the ground and the sweat and, you know, the hard physical labor to find stuff. But you can literally sit on your phone and and scout, is you know, and locate these areas as good, as good, easier than any way there is. So, you know, I think that's why the clear-cut game is because it's so easy to figure things out that way. But the problem is, is it's really just getting worse in some areas like, yeah, I mean, years ago, you, you, you'd hit, be right on the money, but, you know, with everyone else doing it, everything's changed. So as far as the clear-cut game goes, I mean, I've really – I have a couple cuts that I'm hunting that okay. aren't – I'm not really seeing much pressure, but most of them, I mean, it's getting pretty bad. Yeah. So here's a question that I've been wanting to ask you, and, and a great friend of mine also brought this up uh, when I said that we'll be recording this evening, and I want to ask you this one. So for known big woods spots, what is more important or your belief that really leads to success? Is it the time on the stand or using that historical data? Um, for me, I would lean a little bit more towards the data. However, I would lean even more towards like the right day, right time, like okay. right weather situations within the right time period. Um, you know, if we, if we get a really good cold late October, 
I mean, I just think it will be absolutely phenomenal, um, especially with these pockets of acorns because those are going to stay close to these food pockets. Bucks might bed further, but they're going to be, I mean, they're going to be very more patternable this year than ever. And these bucks are going to daylight heavy in these, in these spots, checking these does consistently, um, you know, until some of them, what you will find is when some of them do go into heat because these areas are going to be so highly concentrated with deer, I think you're going to see mature deer pull some of these hot does out of these areas just so they don't have to have a lot of competition. But I, I really think, um, you know, for me, if, if I can get a good seven-day stretch or if I can get seven cold days from mid to late October, man, I mean, I'll be drooling. I really will be. Yeah. Not to sound overconfident, but I, I'm telling you, that's that's what I'm hoping for. That That's, that's kind of been um, – even though this year, you know, I'm a little more confident than usual. Um, but overall throughout the years, uh, especially, uh, what do I want to say? Like, I don't know if you noticed, but I just, I, I've always been a weather hunter, but I've gotten more serious about it in the past probably five years. But I went back because I've recorded weather for years, and I went back on my tap, or past 10 uh, bucks that I've killed in PA, and nine out of 10 have really been like pretty prime weather situations. Yeah. So like if I can just get prime weather at the right time, I mean, that's all I'm asking for. Electrify, escape and expand with PWR. Nothing will hold you back from finding adventure on your own terms, forge your own path to places others can't reach by car, by foot or using analog equipment. Electrify your adventure with PWR's unique e-powered adventure tools that are just as fun to ride as they are practical. Escape the ordinary methods of enjoying the outdoors that take you to the same old spots it seems everyone ends up. Expand your playground, push beyond your old limitations, and find a new comfort zone. Check out the brand new Rome scooter that comes equipped with 4-inch wide heavily treaded tires for maximum grip over loose and aggressive terrain. The 24-inch front wheel diameter makes easy work of rolling over roots, rocks, and other low obstacles in your path. Use code ANTLERUP750 for $750 off or ANTLERUP25 to save 25% off the site, excluding the roam. So check out RidePWR.com and prepare for your next adventure. Yeah, now for those days, like in those nine bucks, Steve, since I, like you said, you kind of looked over those and everything like that. The one, obviously the weather was were prime time. The wind Right. And this is the one grasp that obviously as a teacher, I it's, you know, weather changes, man. Like we, you know, we two years, a couple yeah. of years, was it three years ago when we had the warm rut, you know, then we were okay. And then now last year, like we had another warm rut, like we know, and you know, I've, I've even think you've said it where, you know, somebody has success on, on November 4th with you, uh, for, for a guide guide thing, you know, they want to book it again next year. Like they don't know it's going to be that, that great time. Like I fall into yeah. that category. Like I really do because I have to plan that, that, uh, that time frame basically. So, you know, I've, yeah. I've, I've, what I've learned though, is to wait a little bit longer. Don't do it right now because who the heck knows. Sure. Right. So I've, I've gotten smarter about that. Um, you know, so like where I, where I wanted to go with this though, is with that, with looking at all that information with their nine bucks, the win, man, 
I always felt like because I'm, I'm limited on time, I'm like, man, the wind needs to be in my favor. It needs to be in my, 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 like for me, for me, for me. When in reality, what I'm gathering and what I've learned, even heck, even in the field is it's okay if you're, I'm flirting with disaster, right? Like they're like, yeah. it, like you need to, you almost need to give something up. And although I don't want to have the wind obviously blown straight to that animal, but I want to be right on the cusp and know that like I have a shot opportunity right here. And then maybe three, three to four steps later, I might get busted. Right. I, but that's going to yeah. give me that opportunity on that deer because of that wind. What was the, do you, could you recall any of those situations with the wind um, where maybe you were flirting with it? Maybe it was totally wrong. Maybe it was all in your favor. What, what out of those bucks, nine bucks or however many that you could really think of, what was the wind like in that mm -hmm. situation? Um, I will tell you that I'm almost positive that I'd say half of them. Uh, I was in a swirling wind situation, yeah. um, which sounds disastrous yep. but you know a lot of those were around cold fronts and a lot of times when you get a cold front especially in the mountains it's just windy and when when you say windy in the mountains it's generally not a consistent wind uh, especially if like you're if you're just slightly off the top if you're anywhere near bowl or ravine like there's going to be wind going everywhere and it's just one of those things like I've been doing this so long that, like, I've just gotten used to it. Like, you know, if you're someone coming from, like, Kansas or Illinois or Iowa, like, you would really struggle being comfortable here because, like, <laughs> you get the wind in your favor pretty often in those places. At least you can plan the yeah. wind better. Right. Here, it's just not. And, I mean, it's another reason why these mountain bucks get so old because, yeah. you know, the wind is, is really not meant for – for for it to be in our favor or like you know if it's not consistent you are getting you are having some bucks bust you some but you know the way i look at it is like i'd rather be out there gambling on the wind knowing that every buck is on his feet putting miles on than just sitting at home and waiting for just a plain old 60 degree calm day or a light breeze steady from the south like no i'm gonna be out there when them bucks are running hard and I'm going to take that chance. And, but yeah. I will say too, like if I'm hunting a scrape or, you know, a trail or I know where that deer's bedded, um, if I'm in that spot, you know, I'll sit, even as soon as I get in there, usually I'll hunt the tree that I plan, no matter what the wind's doing. If it's, if I notice it's just going to be one of those crazy windy swirly days, but I'll sit there for, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes and just kind of, just kind of start studying it a little bit. And then it's like, okay, it's mainly coming out of the West. Like, all right, I'm going to adjust. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a, a lot of times, even then, like when I say uh, I'm adjusting, I'm saying that maybe in a 10-minute period, six minutes roughly, it's coming out of the West. And four of the other minutes, it's doing different things. But right. trying to find – even, I figure if I can have that wind in my favor 60 to 80% of the time. Right. And, and especially if I'm not hunting like right over near a buck's bed, but like if bucks are just out there cruising, you know, from ridge to ridge, you are in pretty good shape. I mean, because odds are you got the wind in your favor most of the time. And deer are coming from miles away. It's not like that wind's blowing right in that buck's bedroom. You know, that's a different right. situation, but... I just try to get it in my favor most of the time um, just because it's swirling. You know, I don't panic. 
Yeah. Um, I just kind of, you know, sit back and just kind of feel it out for a bit. And if I got to make an adjustment, that's what's nice about being mobile is I can go climb a tree 80 yards over there within 15 minutes. It's not like I'm sitting in a buddy stand and it is, you know, I'm screwed. So that's just, it's another big reason why I'm a mobile hunter. Yeah, I kind of gave my dad some crap about that uh, last year because he texted me. We were both hunting the same day, and we were kind of on we were on different ridge systems and everything like that. And he's like, "The wind swirl," and I was like, "Yeah, uh, that's why you should have brought your climber <laughs> because he was in uh, uh, he he was he was in my my uh, my brother's uh, hang on and." I was like, you should have brought your climber because that he he has a spot that my, he he hung a, my my brother's uh, hang on in that one, and he had it all prepped and everything like that. And he's like, I think it's good wind for that one. I was like, yeah, I mean, it's saying it is. And when you get in there, who the heck knows what it's going to be actually doing? <laughs> you know, so he got in, yeah. he gets in there and he throws a milkweed out, and it you know it's just swirling because it was swirling too, like where I was, and I was like, oh man, he's probably going crazy right now, but. Um, you know, you brought up yep. a good point though, Steve, and I want to ask you this because my, my, I, obviously this isn't something I think you could really gauge off of a trail cam photo and, and detail is that, you know, what's the wind doing basically, um, or like as far as like how fast, what's been like in the field, your personal experience about seeing movement, like when the wind is really howling. Um, it depends on the time of the year. Um, if it's like October, heavy winds is usually fine. Um, if it's like late November, maybe last week of archery, and it's like even 35, but 20, 20, 30 mile an hour winds or more, generally those deer will go down low. Like they'll look for security cover, hemlock and pine. Mm-hmm. Um, the temperature is, is a big part of it, except I will say like those first, two, three cold fronts you get maybe from mid-October, late October, early November, it can even be like 35 degrees and 20-mile-an-hour winds. And them deer, I swear, it doesn't seem – seems like they're just they're, – they're just – they were waiting for that situation. Yeah. Like, they're not they're not going to lay down. They've, they've had them winter coats on since, you know, September. And, but it seems like, you know, later, you know, once you get closer to gun season – real cold, heavy winds do have an effect, yeah. you know, but overall, you know, some people will tell you real windy day, deer aren't moving. Most of the time I've seen an increase of movement okay. than uh, deer not moving at all. And, you know, wind doesn't bother me a bit. Um, sometimes there's days, you know, you do have to hunt on the ground. Like yep. I wouldn't tell anyone on a 20, 30, 40 mile an hour wind to go climb a tree, but yeah, it's still probably dangerous being in the woods, but you know, if, if I know them, if I know it's a day where I could have better potential to kill a mature buck, I mean, if, if it gets to the point where I got to throw a hard hat on or something like that to save me from a tree branch, you know, I'm I'm gonna be out there. I just probably won't be in a tree. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. That, that's the one aspect where I think a couple of years ago, even you know, right before, probably in like 2018, I remember I was like, man it was really, it seemed like every time I was out, it was just crazy wind and certain spots that I was in, I would see a little bit of younger buck movement. And then it was, I want to say 2020 season. Uh, there, I forget what day it was. It was like kind of that mid to late October and it was a really windy day. I just remember watching, I was on the edge of, of some, 
real thick cover, nasty like briar stuff. And it was open a little bit and there was a uh, freshly made scrape uh, that looked within days, like a couple days that was hit at least. So I was like, Ooh, I'm going to set up over this. So I get in my, uh, my saddle and I get up and it started, I didn't get up too high. Cause I was like, if I get up a little bit higher, like you said, it's going to be a little dangerous. And I'm, I'm watching all the, the, the branches move in and I'm like, I don't know how long I'm going to stay out here. And then all of a sudden I look about 60 yards out kind of out towards like the, the two track goes and the two track had maybe about another 50 yards basically. And I just see movement and I quick throw up my binos and I just see a big buck just cruising, like kind of just moseying his way up, up the ridge. And I was like, Holy cow. And I kind of, obviously he was not going to hear me. I mean, I could have screamed. He wouldn't have hear me just because of how loud the wind was basically with the trees shaking and everything. But that kind of solidified like, okay, uh, big bucks are still going, going to move during this. Because again, I was kind of under that impression, like they don't move as much. Right. I, that's kind of what I was told. And that's, that, what, you hear. that's what you hear a yeah. little bit. And that seeing that kind of changed that all, all for me. Yeah, no, I, like I said, especially me being like a, a weather hunter, uh, hunting around weather fronts, drastic weather changes, that's when you have your biggest, your highest winds. Um, and honestly, that's when I find some of the best movements. So, yeah. you know, other than, you know, like I said, play it safe, you know, don't climb a tree when, you know, if that tree's swaying like crazy or you know, it just doesn't feel right, I mean, consider just getting out of the ground. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Um, but uh, definitely try to try to take advantage, even if it's you know, if it's real windy. Uh, like I can only speak for my area and you know where I've been. But these deer usually move like crazy, especially big deer. You know, on a windy day. Yeah, that's good to know. All right, so last last conversation that we had, uh, Steve, on on the podcast, we talked about the three C's: cover, cold fronts, and cameras. So you had it, yeah. you had another full year under your belt talking and, and learning and observing all, all three of these, you know, I guess maybe yeah. touch upon this, touch upon your process. How has it evolved over even this past year or how, mm-hmm. or um, even, or even like how you plan to Im- implement it again this upcoming fall? Yeah. I mean, it's gotten to the point that like, uh, I mean, I'll probably get out because the thing about me is, I do hunt, you know, from like this year, I'm going to start guiding the October 26th. Uh, I'll, I will hunt every morning, um, regardless of the weather, but, uh, you know, if I get freed up a little bit, you know, and I can get a longer afternoon sit or occasionally, you know, four or five hours sit, um, those sits are only going to be on prime weather days. Uh, I remember last year, like, you know, first week in November, getting in a stand, you know, for the last two or three hours, you know, in the evening, not, not saying that you don't have a chance, but like 70 degrees. And most of those sits, I didn't see anything. Um, I wouldn't tell anyone to maybe have that mindset, but it's the fact that like, you know, I still have a job. Um, I have a family. Um, why, why beat the, the, you know, the world around me up, when I know that most of the deer I kill are in these prime weather, you know, more perfect weather scenarios. And, you know, if the good Lord, as long as he blesses me with good health, um, you know, I, I am able to get out there pretty much any time the weather gods line everything up. Right. So, 
you know, like I said, it used to be, you know, I was hunting every opportunity I could, uh, but anymore, you know, like I said, even going into this year, I'll probably hunt, you know, a lot of mornings uh, just because, you know, I just love being in a tree stand in the morning when that sun comes up, regardless if it's prime time or I'm in the right spot, whatever. It just starts off my day. I mean, it's not a better, it's no better way, in my opinion, to start your day off. I'm with you. In a tree stand out of ridge somewhere. But, um, but yeah, as I've been doing this, all these studies and all this research, that's what's changed me the most is like, it's just, it's, it's impacted the, my way of thinking um, versus like it used to be like hunt as hard as you can, every minute you can, every second you can, because like I'm, a, I'm the type of person like gives everything the best that I can give it. Yeah. Um, but then I, you, know, you just start to sit back and be like, you know, it's not that I'm trying less, but like I can make sure I get everything else taken care of in my life and still have success because I can focus on those more prime situations. And like I said, this year, that's, that's going to be my plan. I think the other aspect, Steve, and you can tell me I'm totally out of line or, or wrong on this. You actually, you have the ability and the time to put in that work prior to that and, and see that. And you have, yes. you have that ability to reflect on X, Y, and Z of that Intel, right? You had to, on that data, whereas, you know, a good portion of people really don't. And that's why I respect you by saying, you know, I really don't encourage people to really have that mindset, you know, but, but, but in the grand scheme of things, if you are able to take those prime days off, then, and you know, or like I'll, I'll use myself for example, man, it's, I'll see a good buck or two in that middle October. If that cold front hits, I've, I've seen it happen, but for the most part, if there's no cold front, I'm not planning on taking that Friday off to, to go in and hunt a Friday, Saturday when it's 75 degrees. I know when it's, I know that if come later October, I know come sometime in November, I would rather save those days for, man, there's a nice little temperature drop or, Hey, it's a consistent 35, 37 degrees. You know what I'm saying? And, but, but again, going back to what I was, how I started this out is, you've over the years have been able to see that in the field by putting a lot of time in prior to the season, during the season, over the years to, to see that. And that's, it makes sense for you. Yes. And, uh, you know, that's why, uh, you know, why I share that information so much. Um, but, you know, it, it is tricky because there are people like, like you said before, they schedule, you know, they got November 1st to 7th off and, it doesn't matter the weather um, as far as I don't care what time of year weather, like there's always a chance to, yep. to have success. But on the, on the other hand, like <laughs> if that deer, you know, if a mature deer you're hunting, any deer, whatever, it might move 300 yards during the daylight or that deer might move six miles or every mature buck in your area is moving three to five miles that day. Like, because of a weather situation, like that's when you start to realize like, okay, you know, that's, that's when my odds really stack up. And, you know, if, if any way, I mean, this is what I tell people that aren't quite in my situation, but that's, if I was working for a company or working for someone, I would, I'd be sweet talking to my boss, you know, going into hunting season. Like, you know, I do have, 
you know, November 1st through the 7th off, but, you know, would you mind if we get a cold front, if I can slip out of work early? Because, you know, just so you know, throughout the summer, any other time, I'll work extra. But, yeah. you know, I hate to, you know, put hunting it's such a high pedestal, you know, in that situation, but it's like, I've seen the weather impact my success so much that like, it's just, I don't know, as far as increasing your odds, um, I'm telling you, weather, you can argue that weather is, is a bigger factor than anything than giving yourself a chance of success or greater success. Right. So last year, if we look at the 22 season, October was like dynamite. It October was like cold. It, you know what I mean? And then November hit and it was a little warm. Um, you know, yeah. j- judging from like maybe your inner circle of people, did a lot of people have success during those, those big, nice cold front swings or October compared to November? What, what, what like within your circle that, that you know of? Yeah. Um, no, not up my way. Um, it's, you might've been a little South of me. It still wasn't cold, cold. Um, I think, you know, one of the best times, this is crazy too, but like last year, I think we started guiding the 20th or 21st of October. Um, and one of the best days was like the 19th that we actually had snow that day. Then things gradually warmed up, but I mean, it, it was okay, but we didn't really ever get real, real prime weather, um, until like closer to mid November, um, I want to say in October from like, you know, when I was guiding to say like the 21st or whatever to Halloween, we might've had two mornings when it got freezing or below freezing. And now that's something I do want to bring up. Like, it's not just, uh, you know, in my studies, it's not just like, okay, it's cold. Like it really boils down to numbers. Um, I always tell people, if you have highs in the thirties, at least highs in the thirties and lows 32 or below, um, that's when you're going to see prime movement. Um, and we didn't have much of that in October, but I I can also tell you, uh, any day in November, we had those numbers. It was phenomenal. Um, and you know, another cool thing too, is some people, say that like you know if it stays cold for five six days in a row like stagnant weather can can kind of slow movement down and i don't see that at all actually like if it's the prime time of the year for these deer to be roaming miles and it's those those right temperatures i bet my life savings the movement's going to be great so that's a temperature like i said it's just unbelievable for for mount northern mountain deer um and I really think a lot of it, too, has to do with just the fact that they have these big, thick winter coats that, um, I mean, they're built to withstand some really cold winters. And I mean, you go out there throwing all your heavy winter hunting clothes, and you try to go as fast as you can and put five, six, seven yeah. miles up and over mountains, and it just beats no the heck out of them. So yeah. they, uh, yeah, and the rut will happen whether it's 80 degrees or 30 degrees, but as, as far as how much these deer are going to move, you got to have the right temperatures. If you're in the market for finding a new trail camera, I highly encourage you to look no further than Exodus. Exodus has two main options to choose from as far as cameras go, a budget-friendly option that doesn't compromise quality. The Exodus rival is the camera for you. Simplicity meets functionality in this easy-to-use, feature-rich cell camera. The Rival offers crystal clear photo quality, easy setup and use with complete remote management through the app anywhere in the world. 
two already are set up in northeastern PA for me, and they're working flawlessly. And if you're looking for an all-encompassing cell camera, seriously, look no further than the Render. It's their flagship camera. It stood the test of time for thousands of hunters across the country. I have one deployed here locally where I live and another one I'm saving for back in northeastern PA. Again, zero issues. And I'll tell you what, Exodus stands by their five-year warranty for accidents or for theft top of the line customer service so see for yourself why so many made the switch to exodus and experience the exodus difference use code au to get 15 percent off your first camera today so um i want you to go back and, and look at not obviously now but when we get off and we're, we're done look at october 29th this past year that was my craziest day in the woods so I want to see what what oh, your, yeah I want to see what your what your cameras told you about that day. I don't know. Again, uh, I don't know if I I want to make myself sound smart saying that I pre-tracked it to when uh, my first fawn dropped that I had on my camera from <laughs> from that time. I was going I was mm-hmm. going in anyway that weekend, so I can't sit there and say that's the reason why I went in there. But um, I, I said it was around Halloween and. I, again, I had a crazy doe encounter where she was running mouth open, running for her life and four bucks on her tail, bigger, big, medium, and then small. Like they were only 10 yards apart from each other in a straight line running after the same doe. Well, and another thing is, I mean, I want to say like in that time frame, probably maybe 10% of does come into heat, like yeah. that latter part of October and even like it's probably as early as October 15th, 18th, sometimes even earlier, a doe will come into heat. And just because like you're not seeing sometimes rubs and scrapes everywhere, your buddy's telling you he hasn't seen any rut movement or all your buddies are saying the rut's not happening. If we have bucks right now in our woods that have shed their velvet, testosterone starting to flow, if a doe comes in heat right now, she's going to be breathed. Yeah. And what you, in my opinion, probably witnessed, uh, I mean, you were in that central zone. You had a hot doe, and that's when I brought up the fact that in the rut, like, the rut always happens. You, But those bucks, you know, maybe they weren't chasing her all day. You know, they might have chased her some in a small area. She laid down, they laid down. Yeah. Or they might just kind of lay down wind her and watch her. Like, you were just in the perfect situation. Like, you had that that. You know, one of those early hot does come by and you couldn't, you couldn't ask for it to be in a better spot. Yeah. Dude, that day was friggin' amazing. Just such a cool day. I... Did you have, what was the weather like that morning for you? Do you remember? Or... You know what? It was, it was actually kind of cool. Um, it did warm up though. Cool. Like that, that evening, mm-hmm. man, I would say like right at dark, I probably had some deer in. Cause I remember as soon as I climbed down, I, I heard a deer like spook out, um, yeah, but it was but it was already dark by that point in time and and uh yeah. but yeah that was that was the best day i mean i was out in november and and had had a, other encounters here and there but not like that day not like that day yeah, yeah i've uh i've killed more most of my mature bucks have been roughly october 20th to halloween so yeah. yeah, I mean, you're not seeing something I've never seen before. Yeah, yeah. That's for sure. I love late October. And that's what I told you earlier. If we can get some good weather in late October this year, oh, man, I mean, I'll give anything for that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Shirk Jr.'s top three rules for hunting cautious bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think hunting a cautious buck, you know, 
you don't want to hunt that deer from the same spot very often. You know, if you know that maybe you've got some history with this deer and, you know, times you bump him or he just always seems to, to be kind of on the move and on to like, I think you gotta be, you know, you gotta be very aggressive as far as not letting that deer catch you in any pattern either. Um, you know, try to, uh, constantly be moving around on them. Um, also pick, pick the right times to hunt that deer. You know, once again, you know, if you've got some really good spots where you have a lot of confidence that he'll show up, you know, don't hunt that just because, you know, maybe it, it's the rut or, you know, he's hitting the scrape a lot at night, but wait for prime time, you know, for me, prime weather situations, hunt your best spots at the best times. Um, and I don't know, no, probably my third, my third thing too <laughs> would be, I don't know if this is, if this isn't maybe a, a valid answer, but keep them to yourself. Don't, uh, don't let anyone know about it because chances are a deer like that, it's going to be a really big deer. Um, I've made that mistake before. I'll be honest with you too. A lot of the biggest deer I have on camera, I never post on social <laughs> media. So you want to. <laughs> you want to keep those big deer secret um, just for the fact that he's already super cautious and the more people that know about him, you know, the harder he's going to get to kill. So hopefully that's three good answers for everyone to use on yeah. deer like that. I like those three. And uh, you know, we were talking about your favorite time frame to hunt, right? That, that middle to the end of, of October, you know, I, I kind of consider that yep. that scrape season. I really do. I think that's yep. from my personal experience of, of being in the woods, seeing the scrapes are scrapes are the most active cameras. You know, that that's been my kind of like you, that's probably, man, I, I would even go out and say 90 to 95% of my cameras are over either a regular scrape that I found or mock scrape or something along those lines is a scrape. And obviously that time frame for me just is lit up during the day, during the night, you name it you know, during that time frame, in a perfect world, or let's look at it as mm -hmm. how, how are you handling and or picking which one that you want to go to? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. And honestly, like, this might surprise people, but I'm more focused on at first, what scrapes does are hitting that time of year, especially does in the daytime, because you want to find a scrape is where he can interact the other day and, I'm and like not any bucks at all. Someone would be like, oh, you know, I'm going to move out. It's just does, but I'm setting myself up for the perfect scenario. And then all of a sudden, you know, it'll be mid to late October. All of a sudden, bam, 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 you know, a flurry of bucks start hitting it. And as long as those does are consistently hitting that scrape, well, those bucks are going to start to come back to that scrape at that time. Like the does are the biggest key to that situation. If you find a scrape that a lot of times there's hardly any does, maybe a doe at night here and there, but you're, you know, you're getting some occasional bucks. Honestly, some of that's just, just, just out of luck or like not really a pattern to that. Like you want, you want to make sure you have a reason for that deer to come back and, like when I killed that 10 point in 2021 um, and like a week stretch, that buck hit that scrape in the daylight at least three times in a week, but it had does hitting it every day. It was right next to doe bed. Mm -hmm. And 
that buck came back to interact with those does. Like those does were in there and he would make his rounds. Like, you know, one, maybe not every day, but every couple of days he's like, I got to go see, you know, if any of those girls are ready yet. And <laughs> Shirk just happened to be there yeah. <laughs> you know, in the right place, right time. But uh, um, yeah, that's, that's the biggest key for, you know, to that time of year is, making sure you have good, consistent daytime doe activity at those scrapes because that's why those bucks are going to come back. Like I said, the biggest mistake people make is because everyone's so focused on bucks is they'll put cameras out in October for a couple weeks or somewhere around that time and just get does. And, you know, they'll pull out because they think they need to be seeing those bucks. And it's, you know, you, those bucks or those does generally you're going to, if the food and everything stays, you know, nothing changes. Those stills will stay there for weeks. So yeah. especially you don't want to pressure them either though. Yeah. But like you have to know what's going to be on a buck's mind, what's on his agenda you know, for the right time of year. And you know, going into that late October period, like I said, there's not much more on his mind than finding that first hot dough. So as long as you got does around, he's coming back most likely. I liked it. All right, Steve, final question, man, before, before we let you off this evening, what is a must that a hunter should be or should try to do this upcoming season that could lead to success or advance a learning curve for them in the field? Yeah, I keep, you know, I keep talking about how I'm evolving um, and constantly, you know, being more of a boots on the ground hunter, uh, putting in more footwork than, you know, time on your phone or computer, figuring things out, uh, looking for things that other people aren't looking for because, you know, I, I especially relate to, to public land hunting. Um, you can't, I don't care, you know, that's one thing I don't worry about, like, especially saying this because, you know, at least where I come from, there's just so much ground that, like, you can do all the e-scouting you want, but there's so many hidden gems out there that you're going to have to, the only way, like today, especially, you know, I found two like super hot scrapes and just out in the middle of nowhere, like on this Oak Ridge producing acorns, like you're not going to find that uh, from a satellite. Like that's, that's what I really feel hunters need to start doing more is putting in more footwork, you know, putting more sweat equity into it because you're going to notice, you know, so I, I'm figuring we're talking to a lot of public land hunters here. You're going to notice that to see the same things I'm seeing. There's just so much information out there, um, you know, and not just the clear cut thing, but like you've got to find those hidden gems now where nobody else is. Um, it could be just a, something as simple as a real hot scrape, like on an Oak Ridge, but, putting in that footwork to find things that no one else is finding. That's what it's going to start taking to have more success, you know, especially on public land. Heck yeah, Steve. Well, I want you to plug anything that you would like to plug, make sure you do your, your mountain buck university on YouTube, but you know, man, it's always a great pleasure to number one, hear your voice, catch up, do all that. Um, but to have you on and share your wisdom, man, it, it's a great honor. I always learn something, multiple things when we chat. Um, but you know, <laughs> where could people follow along, see, uh, all the awesome things that you're, that you're doing? Yeah. Um, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at Shirk's Guide Service, S-H-E-R-K apostrophe S. 
and uh, my buddy and I, uh, Tyler Wilbur, I think you've had him. Yep. You've talked to him, too. Awesome, dude. Um, uh, we both started uh, Mountain Buck University uh, YouTube channel last spring. Um, it's entirely related to Mountain Bucks. Um, you know, I just, uh, just we got talking, and you know, this isn't something that, you know, it doesn't really matter to me if it becomes like some big thing or not, but there's really not a lot or there's not enough out there that's just related to like big woods mountain deer public land um and i just feel like uh yeah i mean i can talk a lot on a podcast but there's just so many different things especially in my mind that like i want to tell people um that it was like you know what we just got we got to start a youtube channel like a, a few minute video here a few minute video there and i mean i, I think it, within a few years like you know not to brag but people are really going to learn a lot from this. So uh, definitely uh, if you haven't subscribed, you know, give it, give at least give it a look to say the least. And if you are following, um, I promise you there's, there's thousands of more videos that will eventually come. It's just, you know, we're him and I are both working so much and we got families and you can only do so much, you know, especially when you aren't getting paid at it either. But if you just stay with us, I promise, uh, it's going to be a lot more good stuff yet to come. So, uh, yeah, you can definitely follow me from those three avenues. And, uh, like I said, I'm certainly the kind of person that, you know, I'm passionate about hunting, but I'm just as passionate about sharing my experience and my knowledge. So, uh, I, uh, would hope that anyone that follows me will benefit from that. Heck yeah, Steve. And, and man, we're lucky because we have individuals like yourself. There's plenty more out there as well that do that. And we're thankful. And, uh, you know, not only do you do that, but man, like I said earlier, you're just one of the best individuals out there as far as a, as a human being goes. So, uh, try to, try to be better every day, man. And, 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 uh, you know, every time I talk to you, you just always seem so positive. I know that's not always going to be the case. You know, we live these lives and everything <laughs> like that, but I just want to say, uh, uh, man, it, it, it's, a uh, it's a pr privilege to have you on and talk deer hunting and, and hear this and, and, uh, grow as an individual and especially as a hunter, man. Hey, same to you. I'll, uh, I know it might be a while, but I'm, I'll be looking for the next time I'm on, I'm on antler up. So <laughs> I'm always ready and enjoying every chat with you. Awesome, Steve. Well, everybody, like, like Steve said, go follow uh, mountain buck university, check out the guide service and everything else that he has going on. And, uh, man, best of luck to everybody out there. Hopefully Steve fired you up cause I'm ready to rock and roll to get in the woods. So we'll see you next week, everybody antler up. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Antler Up podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Please go check us out on our Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Go Wild and at antlerupoutdoors.com. If you enjoyed this episode, go leave a review and subscribe for next week's episode. Until then, Antler Up.